What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Lease, here with my good friend and partner in the Surf and Sales Summit and the Surf and Sales Podcast, Richard Harris. How's it going, Richard? It is going well. Um, excited for our guest today. We have a we actually have a Surf and Sales alumni with us, so um, we'll hold back on telling people who it is just to create the anticipation. Uh, yeah, Surf and Sales alum, entrepreneur salesperson, sales leader, thought leader, never shy with opinions. It'll be a good episode. We're excited to uh, to get into it. It's good to see you back at home, Richard, rather than isolated at the beach house, also known as, do I maybe have COVID? Right. Well, you know, it wouldn't be May if I didn't try and have a COVID scare. So um, I had another COVID scare. Fortunately, it was a, a false positive, but um you know, is it the worst thing to get away for three days to the beach house? Yes, I think I've figured out your strategy now to get away from your family. So we're going to, uh, Richard, talk to everybody about uh, our good friends and sponsors over at HubSpot. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, want to thank HubSpot and the HubSpot Podcast Network for all they do to support us, Surf and Sales, as well as the sales community as a whole. Um, they have their big conference coming up in September of this year, 5th through the 8th in Boston. Uh, it is called Inbound. Uh, if you don't know about HubSpot Inbound, it's a great session or a great conference to attend. Now that we can actually go do stuff in person again, I still find it interesting that we're still mentioning, wow, I can see people in real life, although we've been able to do it for about a year now so um, or longer. But in regards to Inbound, it uh, brings together leaders across the business, sales, marketing, customer success ops, and more. Um, they're going to talk a lot about the latest trends and tactics. I'm sure AI will be a big piece of that conversation along the way. Um, and they have some really amazing speakers, uh, you know, of the most popular, probably Reese Witherspoon and Derek Jeter. Um, along with them uh, are some friends, Andrew Huberman, Stephen Bartlett, Gay Raz, Morgan DeBond, Kim Scott. Scott, we are not mentioned in this list. And I don't know if they're just holding back like Springsteen tickets, like they don't, they want to make sure the scalpers don't corner the market. Um, and I don't see our good friend and ho our guest today, Tito Borg. Tito, why aren't they asking you to speak at inbound? They wanted to uh, have me here first. And if I entertain your audience uh, enough, they will invite me. So no pressure. No pressure at all. No pressure. Tito Bort, who is here from Alti Sales and about six other companies that he's built and run. So Tito, as we go into this conversation, for those who don't know who you are, uh, give a little bit of a, a blurb about Alti Sales and your background and um, just so they have some context about where your thoughts and answers come from. Yeah, I. the only thing you need to know about me is that I'm obsessed with the world of sales outbound sales and sales development. And if you want to learn more about me, you can just go online and Google Tito Bort LinkedIn or Tito Bort Sales Hacker and you'll bump into tons of different articles. I was told today by a prospect of mine that I have a blog post called Your AEs Are Ruining Your Outbound Demos. And that she read that in 2017 and keeps it dear to her heart and has every employee that ever works for her read it. So take that for what it is, my biased opinion on my great content, but 
Um, Isn't it wild that you can write something? It's 2017 is six years ago now, yeah. going on going on seven years ago. Isn't that wild that something that you wrote back then can still be relevant today with how fast everything is changing? It happened to me last week where, and I'm not kidding, Scott, I texted you about this. Someone said, you know, I made this video years ago. I'd forgotten about, about everybody's pipeline and how you need to flush it. Apparently I made that video while like, you know, allegedly sitting on the toilet and flushing the toilet to be funny. And someone brought it up to me and it's like seven years ago and I'd forgotten I'd even done it. So it is content lives everywhere, everybody. And it lasts for a lifetime. So, um, but Tito, since you brought that up, what do you mean by that concept? Your AEs are ruining your demos that are being set up. Like, and is it still relevant? If you wrote it in 2017, it's 2023. Still relevant? Changing opinions? Yes. Here's what I'll tell you. Um, most of the content that I write, I try to write evergreen content. So you will not hear me talk about things that are in the moment. Like, I will try not to write about like, oh, the presidential election, because... The presidential election is no longer valid in a year or two or three. It's already happened. I don't talk about the news as much. Um, so when it comes to my vision of sales development and sales, I really try to focus on things that are long-term valuable. I do think your A's are ruining your outbound demos because most of the AEs that I've encountered um, do sales that resemble an inbound motion. And I sometimes joke and I say, there's a spectrum of types of sales. You know, I had a friend who worked at a supermarket as a cashier and they said they did sales because they collected payments and put things in a bag. That is just very inbound, right? If you work at McDonald's, you might work in sales. You're selling stuff, right? You're selling burgers. I know. Yeah, do you want fries with that? There's your upsell. Do you want fries with that? Yeah, do you want fries with that, right? We just to upgrade to a bigger company. I've hired so many wait staff people in my life because of that. Yep. Right. The next step, if, if we're going in the spectrum, the next step is probably a, a sales rep at Macy's, right? You show up and you say, hey, do you have any blue jeans? And they say, you, are, you want dark wash or light wash? And they're like, dark. And they're like, what's your size? And you're like, 32. And they're like, hell yeah, we got him. And they're in sales, bro. Because what? Right? Scott, can you fit into a 32? Because I can't anymore. I just want to like, that just makes me angry. Tito uh, has great hair. Yeah. I said 42. I said 42. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Tito. Uh, <laughs> you get the idea, right? And, and the reason I wrote the, the blog about the A's are ruining the outbound sales process is that outbound sales requires the rep to live on the opposite side of that spectrum of how A's behave, which what we say is they got to do an illumination call. Outbound demos do not show up to a discovery call. Prospects that were sourced via outbound do not show up to a discovery call. They show up to an illumination call. And what I mean by illumination call is somebody is shining a light on the problem that you don't even know you have and they're helping you surface thoughts and information that will make an impact in your company. And by illuminating things that you are unaware of, they will help you be a more success successful employee in your company and therefore get you a lot of credit when you solve this problem. 
Got it. Got it. I want to ask Tito a series of somewhat controversial questions and get his take. Um, so this is me sort of like gently goading Tito into, you know, having a strong opinion on, on something. Um, I wrote down three things in my notepad here. I just went to LinkedIn real quick and was like, scrolled for 30 seconds. It's like, okay, I got to ask him about these things. So the first thing is, um, I just read that SDRs are now only responsible for 18% of pipeline being created. What do you think is the cause of this? If you even agree with the data, I suppose. I, I saw the post from Kevin Chu going from 40 to 18% of yeah. the pipeline generation coming from SDRs. Yeah. I want to ask him to clarify what he means, because I would imagine that what has reduced its amount of pipeline the most is inbound leads. The demo request that we were getting a year ago versus two years ago versus now, it's tapped. My SDRs have reduced, but they haven't gone from 10 meetings a month to two meetings a month. It's gone from 10 to maybe eight. They're down 20% for sure. But it also depends what's your prospecting methodology, right? So like, Another really good example is how much of the efforts that you had in your sales development were just anticipating a demo request versus how many efforts were actually creating a psychological sale. And what I mean by that is if you use something like user gems, which we actually love, because why not? Not using it would be crazy. But like, imagine if I switch companies for some reason, I go work at a new company. I am 100% going to go and implement outreach. You don't need to sell me anything. I will most likely submit a demo request. Can you use user gems, anticipate that I move companies and ping me and say, Tito, do you want a demo? I say, yes, let's do it in three weeks or in seven weeks and you'll get a demo. But you're not creating pipeline. So don't get me wrong. The number of meetings an SDR gets doesn't always correlate to the amount of true pipeline creation. Pipeline creation, I consider by being a psychological sale. So those statistics are... Um, I'd say the, the data is a little bit dirty. It depends who it's coming from and how these companies have adapted. Uh, there's there's also been a big trend going from cold outbound to going into a PLG motion. And let's not forget that it is marketing that controls the CRM settings. So I've been at companies where like we cold call somebody, we book a meeting and they said, oh yeah, but that a colleague of them opened a newsletter 50 yeah days ago. So it's still within the 60 day window. So it's marketing sourced SDR influenced. And I'm like, screw you. Yeah. Yeah. I have been in that similar meeting as you, <laughs> where, that, where that was claimed as, well, no, 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 no. That's marketing influenced lead. That's not sales influenced lead. Sure, pal. Okay. All right. Next thing that I read about, of course, was AI in sales and what it's going to do. My question is, are you sick and tired of hearing about AI yet? Of course. I I mean, I am, frankly. AI feels like the new PLG. Uh, the PLG didn't, didn't become, it didn't feel as monotonous and annoying to me as AI has now become. So uh, hold on. I don't, want, I don't want to hear Richard's opinion yet. I want Tito to wax poetic on all of these AI posts and companies and tools and how it's going to, you know, make salespeople more efficient or replace salespeople. I, I'm just a bit tired of the whole conversation, but I want to know your take. 
No, me too. And I think AI is going to follow the same path as PLG. Wasn't everybody saying that PLG was going to replace sales reps? And now look at what's happening. I have both friends who have worked at companies that were moving very much towards a PLG motion and clients who said, we're going to stop your outbound efforts. We're going to move towards PLG. And it complete failure for the majority of them. And the reason for it is in the early stages of a company, especially, you got to build a buyer's journey that is predictable. And it's very hard to do that without handholding. So going from very little customers or no customers into a fully fledged, very effective PLG motion takes a lot longer than going from very little customers into a handholding process of signing them up. So I think that the PLG we're seeing a little bit of emergence, but there's a lot of very common mistakes that are still happening. I see tons of companies that get PLG, but they allow, let's say, Hotmails or Yahoo Mails or Gmails to sign up. And then when you look at the sales team, they're like, yeah, we got 30,000 signups to our platform. Here are the leads. Call them. And you're like, what am I going to do? I can't even identify who these people are. So like, there were a lot of promises for PLG and very predictably, a lot of things have flopped and really haven't worked. I think what AI is going to create is potentially a lot more emails being sent down in certain ways, maybe a lot more like, I don't know, better structure follow-up uh, emails after certain meetings and things like that. But I think humans have the tendency to like to, to, like to see the human effort on the other side. I think as, as soon as something becomes automated or AI'd, uh, people will stop paying attention, right? Look at Aaron Ross you sending the, the AI, responsible. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think there's, we can't lose the humanity, right? Like there's that value. But at some point, you know, the more we prompt the AI tool appropriately for these are the prospects, these are the types of companies, this is their revenue size, here are the pieces, tell us about the pain, write it in such a way. You know, right now it's, a, it's an input to get the AI to give you the output. Theoretically though, isn't it going to be a machine that says, hey Tito, based on your customers, we're gonna start running this five-step sequence to these titles at these companies based on you know, the AI data telling us, right, that that it's these are the right people to go after. Are you saying we won't get to that point? Because that's the part where I think people get fearful. I, I don't I don't care what point we get to. Once everybody's doing it, nobody will pay attention. That's what I say that again. So everybody hears, because I say this in different ways, less uh, elegantly, perhaps. But I've been saying, like, once everybody does the thing, it's no longer cool anymore. That, that's the case with like, whatever. Everybody gets the same shoes. All of a sudden, those shoes are not cool anymore. Everybody listens to the same song. All of a sudden, that song's not cool anymore. Yeah, Say that one more time, Tito. Predict that sooner than we can. And then it'll make the adjustment, won't it? I mean, that's- I don't know. I don't know. I want Tito to say that one more time. Once everybody's doing it, it no longer works. And I know most people are listening to this via podcast, but look at the reply rate and connect rate email reply rate and connect rate over the past 10 years has been tanking. And when you look at what's the experience of receiving those calls and what is the experience of receiving those emails, it's absolute crap. 
like this email that I'm showing on the screen, which is a completely wrongly formatted. It has a lot of bolding. There's no spacing between paragraphs. Bullet points are wrongly indented. The signature looks like crap. There's a vertical line on the subject line. It's absolute crap, right? If you send this in 2009, you got a meeting. If you send this in 2012, if you send, you know, a thousand of these in 2009, you probably got 25 meetings. If you send it in 2012, you probably got eight meetings. If you send it in 2017, you probably got one meeting. If you send it today, it'll take you 100,000 of these emails to get a meeting. Yeah, yeah. Because now yeah. everybody can do that so quickly and easily. Yeah, so, it's, it's a, so this takes me to my third and final post that I just saw, which is about, well, what's going to work? What's the future of, of sales going to look like? If you, if you pulled that slide back up, every, you can see uh, phone pickups are trending down 10 years straight. Email reply rates trending down 10 years straight. Uh, this post that I was, was looking at was saying like, um, you know, dialers are dead and the companies associated with them are dead. Sequence, sequences are dead. Companies associated with those have had their heyday. Those are dead. So where is the future of sales headed? What I, I is some, going to work? Yeah, I have some ideas. I was trying to see if I had your numbers saved on my phone. Can you check if you have my number saved on your phone? Because I have a cool technology I want to show you. But if you have my number saved, it... I do. Purpose. I know, Richard, you have mine because you and I have texted. I don't think I, I te text, I've texted Scott before. I've got it. Just texted you. Unless you change your number. No, I should have it. So the technology I was going to show you, it doesn't work if you already have my number saved. Um, but the idea is now AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile allow you to register your, your name or your company with them. It costs money. But if I call a stranger that uses AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile in the United States, 99% <clears throat> of people, my name, Tito Bort, will show on their screen. So when you say, what is going to work? Well, I don't pick calls from random people or, or from random numbers I don't know. Bingo. Why do I hate picking up the call? What is the type of call that you hate the most? Do you say hello and what do they say or what happens? Nothing. It's the spams. Correct. Well, I would, I would just say why I don't pick up the phone is because it's a distraction. And I actually don't care if it's friends or family or spam or, or whatever. My ringer is, is true. off. My, my I, ringer is off. My ringer is off 24-7. He rarely yeah, my, picks up. He has to call me back. Yeah, my ringer's off most of the time, right? And you, you can see the pickups going down. But like there's people who still pick up the phone, especially like if you have young kids in in elementary school, in kindergarten, if you're traveling, like maybe you don't pick up most of the time, Scott, but I'd be shocked if you tell me I never pick up the phone, right? Like, and there's these weird scenarios, right? Like, like a family member got sick and they're in the hospital and then you get a, a random call. You're like, holy shit, like, should I pick up? Like, you're going to pick up at some point, right? Now, the question is, what do you see in your screen and what does that make you do? So like, I believe that human verify, humans verified by phone providers and networks are going to get you to pick up the phone. So if I call you and you didn't know me, but you see Tito Bort on your screen, you'll be like, who the hell is Tito Bort and why is their name showing on my screen? And you'll pick up the phone. And we've seen it. We've increased connect rate on the phone for people by 37% through doing that. The other thing that happens, Scott, is those numbers that you're never picking up, not only you're not picking up, but you have no idea who they are. 
So they've wasted their time fully. But if you saw a missed call from Tito Bort and you didn't know me, you'd be like, who the hell is Tito Bort? And you'd go on LinkedIn and try to find me. I'd be like, oh, wow, Alti Sales, what do these guys do? Why is this guy calling me? Or you go to your email and look, Tito Bort, and you'll see that I sent you an email and you'll open the email. And now it depends. Is the email personalized or is it not? And if it's another generic BS email, you're definitely going to stop paying attention because everybody can send that. But if I say, Scott, I just finished reading your book, you know, obsessed with the process. And I am a big fan of X, Y, and Z, one, two, three. I'd love to get your feedback on the new product we released and see if we can get three of your current customers to use it for free. Would you mind uh, taking a look? Holy shit. You'll be like, dude, like, that's cool. And you'll have opened my email because I called you on my name displayed on your phone. So what is going to keep working? The more human you can be, become and the more verified you can become, the more likely you're going to be able to succeed. Well, it's funny because Scott never picks up his phone, nor does he make cold calls. So I'm always curious to see if he thinks the phone is dead. Scott, is the phone dead or is it just dead? Well, I, don't, I don't think it's dead yet, but I think it's dying and because I, my behavior has completely changed on the phone. And I have two teenagers, as do you who do not talk on the phone or interact with their friends on the phone whatsoever. So I'm not saying it's dead right now. I don't even know that it'll be dead in three, five years, but I think it is inevitable right now. Well, we're going to change, change this to the Surfing Sales Parenting Podcast because guess what? My son Riley calls me and talks to me. He'll say, how are you? What's going on? So apparently I'm a better, much better Surfing Sales parent than my son. <laughs> Well, or it just means Riley's an absolute dork and has nothing better to do than to talk to his dad on the phone. And my kids are living in the now. Are we going to turn this into a parenting assault against each other? That's one thing. But I just think, you know, the pickup rates are down. I just think people's behavior is different. Like I, if, if I see somebody's name who's calling me, if Tito or Richard call me, the odds are I'm in the middle of something and I'm not going to pick up the phone. I'm not. But I have now a mental note to Tito's point, like, okay, I'll listen to this voicemail if he left one real quick or read the transcript of it to see what he said. Or if Tito emails me or texts me in a little bit, I'll be like, I need to call him back because you know something's, something's going on or it's like important. There's recognition there. I know this person. If it's a total stranger for me, even if the name is there for me, I ignore those. Now, I may be in the minority right now, but I think what I'm hypothesizing is more people that operate the way I do or my kids do, I think will become the norm. And I think it'd be very, very hard to have an outbound sales motion where all you're doing is cold calling people or all you're doing is emailing people. I don't know that that's going to work much longer. I don't know when it will stop working, but I, I, I have a hard time believing it will work. But did you see Apple's newest release on how when you're leaving yeah. a voicemail, now it shows directly on the screen? Yeah. I think that is a very cool thing to start doing. So like we're internally debating how are we going to optimize our voicemail scripts yeah. to get to the point in the least words possible and to even said, uh, like ensure that nothing can be misread, right? So if I say... I read your book and I say that in a, in a voicemail when, or if I say read your book or whatever, it, when you read it, the, the spelling is the same of 
read and read. So you might read it differently. You know what I mean? Like there's certain there's certain nuances of language that I'm not, now we got to be aware of, of what happens when I say something get, gets transcribed into a different way. Like you got to be smart about it. I think also like LinkedIn profiles. Um, now, you know, Twitter has these verified users. Um, I think people will inevitably, like there has to be a way to get in touch with people always. And if you are truly solving a problem, I think you will continue to succeed. Uh, it, it might be different technologies, you know, like later on, everybody has, uh, let's say a six sense or demand-based, right? All these account-based marketing tools. So what if I just use that technology plus the voicemail transcription and I only message the people who are halfway through the funnel and the voicemail says, hey, Scott, so you're looking at sales engagement tools. I'm with Outreach. We'd love to have a quick chat. I have three features that SalesOff doesn't have that I think will make an impact for you. Give me a ring back. And you're seeing the transcription. You'll text back. You'll be like, sure, dude, when? Fuck yeah. I got so a meeting. You, My boys. So for those, you know, for the millennials who are on the pixels, right, who aren't on uh, iPhones, so there's my jab. Um, talk about this new test. So what is Apple doing? Because I don't think everybody knows this yet. So now when you call, the transcript shows up immediately as opposed yeah, to- when you, when you call and you send somebody to voicemail or they go to voicemail, right. on your screen, it will light up and it will say like, Richard Harris is calling, right? It'll say Richard right. Harris. And below the voicemail will start transcribing live. So I'll say, hi, Scott. So you are, you know, looking at sales engagement tools and that will, the words will start typing. So I am like doing my work. I get a call. I like look at it. I'm like, who the hell is that? I'm not going to pick up. But then like, I, I don't pick up, but I'm curious to see what you're saying. So I don't need to be listening on the phone because if I pick up the phone, it's rude for me to hang up. If I don't pick up the phone and you're like, hey, Scott, like I just had an accident. Like he'll pick up the phone. Well, it's fuck, dude. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, Scott's gone quiet because he's frantically searching his iPhone uh, to turn off that feature because he doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, which is, you know, I, I agree. Yeah, I used to have a rep that um, would call people back and say, I think we got cut off because I ran over the cord of my wheelchair. Uh, so I think that's sort of your your next take of uh, that similar, I was in an accident mode. So i um, going to pause here for a mid-roll. Uh, when we come back, uh, I got a couple more questions for you, but also... Uh, Tito, at the end of the show in a few minutes, um, we'll also answer any questions you have. So feel free to think up something while I while I go and do this uh, this plug for our good friend John Barrows, who Tito I know you know, uh, who has Make It Happen Monday, who is also a part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. We really appreciate HubSpot again for these things, and be sure to always check out John and the Make It Happen Monday podcast. He's um, been a good friend. He's been a mentor to me. He's actually the guy who convinced me to go into this consulting and training world. Um, one of our favorite episodes was with Valerie, uh, and the title's called, like, literally, dude, uh, Valerie Fridland. Uh, and John and Valerie, uh, she is the author and professor at the University of Nevada, Reno, to explore the impact of language on everyday lives and discuss how society performs forms preconceptions based 
on their language, which goes back to what Tito was just saying. So, um, you know, how is this language affecting? So um, I think that's a good one. Like, that's a good one we need to pay attention to, particularly right now. Uh, and I would even go so far as to say it's not just about sales, it's about life. We need to be better humans and how we use our words and our language and our body language matter a lot. So, so please check out John's podcast, our good friend, and thanks again to HubSpot Podcast Network. So, Tito, how do you see managing the fear of the AI? Like right now, everybody's so fearful. I love the fact that you have this approach that it's like, it's not going to replace us. It's going to, you know, everybody's running to it and everybody's going to run away from it when it doesn't work. In the meantime, you've got a team, right? The economy's down. Maybe the better question is motivating a team in this down economy. Maybe that's a better question. But also knowing there's this big thing of the economy's bad, AI's coming, right? People aren't responding in general. How do you manage your team? Because you have a team. I know you do. So. Yeah. So the way I respond about the fear is let's just, you know, look at the historical context. Is there more or less technology today than 10 years ago? Is there more or less technology today than 100 years ago? Is there more or less technology today than 1,000 years ago? Okay. Now, is there more or less jobs today versus 10 years ago, today versus 100 years ago, and today versus 1,000 years ago? If you draw the correlation between technology and jobs, the more technology there is, the more jobs there has been. I don't think we'll get replaced. If you look at the historical context, 150 years ago, I think 40% of the population worked in agriculture. Today is under 1%. Does that mean that we have less food? No, we have a lot more food. There's a lot more technology. Have, the, have, have tractors replaced farmers? Yes and no. Just one farmer is more efficient so he can create more stuff. Do we have 39% unemployment because the farmers have now had to sit down and die and do nothing? No. They found better jobs and better skills and they taught themselves new things. So the compositions of jobs will change as technology emerges. Do I think we will need less salespeople? I'm not necessarily sure. There might be a period where we need salespeople. I definitely think that there's a lot of admin work that will get replaced. I think cognitive skills and people's skills are going to be very hard to replace for an AI. I think what you got to get really good at is having a high IQ and high EQ. If you're really good at feeding the machine the information, and if you're really good at dissecting truth versus BS, you have a lot of work in front of you. Because look at AI, it will respond, and it will respond in a well-articulated way but it will many times respond with a very well-articulated lie. So if you are really good at really knowing what is true and what is not true, and you're good at looking up uh, bias versus unbiased information, jobs will be there. Moreover, I think these things empower people to make a lot more money, right? Like if you were an incredible farmer 100 years ago versus you were a okay farmer 100 years ago, how much more money would you make? I don't know, 30% more? Good for you, bro. If you're an incredible sales rep today versus you, you're an okay sales rep today, how much more do you make? Three times, right? And if you were an incredible entrepreneur 300 years ago versus a good entrepreneur 300 years ago versus one today, you can be a billionaire 
versus a millionaire versus broke. So I think this just increases your leverage. And the smarter you are, the more successful you'll be. Don't worry about AI. Yeah, we were not good entrepreneurs in my family. Scott, I don't know if you know this story, but a great uncle of mine had the opportunity to buy stock in two companies. One was called International Business Machines. The other was called Coca-Cola. And another one was called the Southern Pacific Steam Shovel Company. Guess which stock certificates we still have? Steam Shovel? You got it. Oh, <laughs> good God. Because, of course, you know, I guess he's a great, great uncle at this stage, but he's, he's you know, who would have ever thought the Steam Shovel was going to go out of business, right? So, you know, so be better at entrepreneurs than my family, for sure. So, you know, what's annoying you about sales today? Is it the AI talk or is it something else? What's annoying me about sales? Um, I think that what's annoying me about sales the most right now is that too many people believe I are are in the wrong mindset. They're either giving up because they're feeling like the economy is slow and there's nothing they can do about it, or too many people are following status quo. They think that working, doing the same thing they were doing before is going to continue to work. And I think that what we need is a change of mindset into having a very big uh, pivot into a growth mindset and discipline. We need people who are willing and open to look at things from a different perspective, that are willing and open to measure things more granularly and become better, and that are willing and open to get their work audited and auditing their peers' work and trying to find how can I get better? We need people who are excited about becoming better rather than fearful of what could happen. Where, and, and I agree, and I know that the, the ultimate answer is it depends. Is there one place in particular you've seen lately around, here's an example of where someone's stuck, whether they feel that way, act that way, believe it or not, and this would be the way they can get out of it. Like what's a, what's a piece of advice you could give to somebody if they're feeling stuck? Like I want to be growth mindset, but I'm not sure how or where to start. Like anything you can point to. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's talk about the world of SDRs and AEs, right? Like how many of your peers calls do you listen to? How are your call um, dispositions structured, right? Like, who is the most successful person on your SDR team? How many of their calls are you listening, right? And how, what are you learning from them? Like, imagine if I was, I'm a, I'm a diligent, a little bit of a math nerd too, but like, if I was at a company that has 10 or 20 SDRs, and I'm new or I'm not the best performer, right? I'm not even in the top three. I'd be like, ooh, job cuts are coming. Maybe they'll lay off 50% of the team. I'm going to make sure that I'm in the top 20%. That's what I want to do. I'm going to grab my top three performing SDRs, I'm going to download 100 calls from each, the last 100 connects. I'm going to listen to all the connects and I'm going to check when the call starts and say, hello, this is Richard. What does my top performing peer say? Does he say, hey, Richard, it's Tito from Outreach. Do you have two minutes? They say, hey, Richard, this is Tito. How are you doing today? What is his tone? What are his words? What, what is their process? How do they think? How do they react? And then out of the 100 calls, how many of those calls does he actually get through to people saying, yes, I have time? Or, yeah, what do you have? 
When somebody has an objection, how do they handle it? And what percentage of time do they get to the next step? The next thing that you get evaluated is how many times have they pitched the product, right? Sure, you have time. Maybe out of the 100 calls, 82, they got people to say, sure, what do you have? Out of those, what do you have? How do they explain outreach? Hey, we're a sales engagement platform that allows you to do XYZ, one, two, three. Or, hey, we're helping companies be more efficient on, you know, reduce headcount. Or we're generating more revenue for blah, 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 right? How do the top three people do it? How, do, how comfortable do I feel to copy their style? What things can I copy? And then every time I make a call, I figure out, am I getting stuck in the opening line? Am I getting stuck in the, in the introductory pitch? Am I able to have a conversation? Am I able to get the meeting set? There's only certain steps. It's very predictable. So that's it's, what an FDR would do. It's, it is so predictable. And yet, so few reps do this on their own. And even more frustrating is so few managers or sales leaders teach their team or do those check marks with everybody. Still, it's shocking. I mean, we've been doing this for 11 years. Um, and Richard knows this, but we just released a plugin for outreach. It's altisales.io. You can find it there. But it does exactly what I'm saying. Like, it's for the excited rep. Or excited manager that wants to understand how many of the calls are getting stuck in my opening line? How many of the calls are getting stuck in my pitch? How many of the calls are getting stuck in conversation? It breaks it down by steps and it helps you understand in what step of the process are you failing? And if you're maybe there's just problem, way maybe there's just way fewer people who are excited now. Because you just said it's for the excited rep. Maybe managers and reps aren't excited about selling. I don't know. I'll tell you this. I'll, a lot of people today are way less excited and way less grateful. And I can't wait for a recession to bring those things back to us. Because when you have 2% unemployment and you feel like you deserve twice the salary for half the work, you can't be excited and, and grateful. But if you've been in a recession for two years and your wife is telling you, hey, Tito, why don't we have money for food? And suddenly somebody offers you a job, you're very excited and you're very grateful. Yeah, you'll and you'll fight like hell to keep that role. Yes. Versus being, you know, entitled and sort of feeling like, well, whatever, I'll just get another one tomorrow if I lose this one. We've been in such an economic boom that the world has stripped us away of our excitement and our gratefulness. I can't wait for hard times to be over. And hard times are going to be over faster if they start faster. I think we're delaying. Everybody's seeing this shaky economy, but the economy isn't crashing. Look at the stock market. Keeps going. The things kind of keep going. They're okay-ish, but they're not great. I think we need a, uh, you know, we need to fall and we need to fall hard. And we need to get back up and fight and get an opportunity and be grateful again. And I think perhaps then. I'm going to have an opportunity to have a lot of these excite, excited reps that want to control yeah. their process and I'm going to figure out. But I hope that at least 5-10% of the people that are out there are still today excited and grateful, despite the fact that we haven't fallen yet. Because if you can be excited and grateful in these times, I bet you're going to be very, very excited and grateful in the other times. I'm going to be more, you're going to be happier and more successful. Love that. A great way to kind of start to bring the show to a close. Tito... Waxing poetic, 
on gratitude and gratefulness. And he's not wrong, everybody. And we could all pay attention to that. Myself included, Richard. I don't know yeah. about you. Myself yeah. included. Myself yeah. included. Hey, uh, Tito. You think you're yourself included. I'm, I'm pretty grateful most of the time. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Tito, how can we be helpful to you, man? Any questions that you have for us? It's been a few months since we spoke. I, I mean, you guys are such, uh, you know, experienced, smart people. I, I do want to hear from you. What, if you had to give SDRs and AEs one piece of advice right now that they're not hearing everywhere, what is the, I guess, counterintuitive piece of advice that you would give them? Scott's, Scott's very good at counterintuitive, so I'm going to let him go first. Well, I don't know if this is going to sound counterintuitive or not, but the, the piece of advice that I'm going to give is going to sound familiar, but the reason, I think, is different and counterintuitive. It would be you need to start building your network. Now, this is a little bit different than you need to start building your brand and you need to have nine jobs and side hustle, everything, and all this kind of kind of stuff. Um, but it's my belief, as we've been talking about how um, the phone is not working the same way it used to, email is not working the same way it used to, even social is not working the same way it used to. It's my belief that one of the only ways to break into accounts and create opportunity is going to be through your network, through partner selling, co-selling, referral selling, customer-led growth, community-led growth, things like that. Because if Tito reaches out to, to me, and says, hey man, looks like you're connected to Richard. I'd love to talk to him. He's doing this thing over there. I think I can help him. Do you know him well enough to make an intro? And the answer is yes on my end. Then I'm gonna go to Richard and say, hey, Tito wants to talk to you. You're open, I swear it'll be worth your time, right? And then I broker that intro. I will get paid somewhere between 10 and 25% if that deal closes for basically doing nothing other than making an intro. So you can't operate that way if you have no network. If you have 50,000 followers like Tito and Richard do, right? You can operate that way. If you've got 500,000 followers, think about the impact you, you can make. So I don't want people to grow their network and build a brand and do all these things just so they can go into business for themselves. I want them to do that so they can continue to be successful and make an impact for themselves, for their company, for other companies as partners. And that I think will create um, stability for you. It might not be job security ever, right? But it will be employment security. If you have this kind of network, I can open opportunities for Alta Sales. I can open opportunities for Outreach. I can open them for Gong, for Salesforce, for HubSpot, for whoever out there because of who I know. So I think if you just think to yourself, I'm going to systematically add 25 people a day on LinkedIn. 365 days a year, that's 9,165 new connections if everybody said yes. Even if I got a 50% success rate to those invites, I'm adding four to 5,000 new people per year to my network. You max out at 30,000 on LinkedIn. So six years from now, if you started at zero, you'd be at 30,000. You'd be maxed out in terms of connections. 
That's just based on the your way that, that doesn't the, mean other people connecting with you. I know, I know. I'm just saying that doesn't count any of the like compound interests that, that you would get. But you're six years away from having a maxed out network as of right now. The way that you do business and the opportunities that come your way will be completely different if you were to do that. So that's my, that's my advice to people. Richard? Yeah, I think my, my piece is um, if you're in the rut and you're feeling stuck and your management's not giving you help, do the opposite of what they say, right? If they tell you to, well, just figure it out. Well, no, that's your job. You should help me figure it out. What have you now ask a little more nicely? Hey, Tito, I will gladly figure it out. Part of that is me asking you questions. Tito, what did you do when you were in this role? That's one thing. To get super specific, to get really specific on one um, that I talk about all the time now is, is stop trying to handle objections in your sales calls. Like, don't handle them. Nobody wants to be handled, according to my wife in particular. You marinate in those objections. You spend time. You say, Tito, I understand you don't have the budget. What's going on? What are you guys focusing on? Uh, because then you can understand Tito's mindset. That doesn't mean you're going to convince Tito to shift money from one place to another. But now you have mindset. And because of that, hopefully you build trust with someone like Tito saying, totally understand that's where your focus is. You know, I appreciate your time, but marinate in that objection more than you try to handle it. When it comes up to the competition, great. Well, what do you love about it? What do you wish it did? What do you hate about it? How often have you guys ever even like ripped and replaced something? Those are the things you need to know because that's the stuff you got to do. And it's very uncomfortable to ask those questions, but you go back to your leadership with those questions answered, they at least know you're doing your job and that's important. So um, anyway, that, that's a really good question. So I, I'm glad you brought this counterintuitive thing. Tito, answer your own question. What's the counterintuitive advice you're giving people? And then we'll, we'll close it down with you. What's the counterintuitive advice I'm giving people right now? Um, I, I think it was a little bit of what I was saying before, right? It was going and becoming more diligent. And it's a little bit of what you're saying too. It's the opposite, right? It's being grateful uh, for one. It's being um, excited, you know, when nobody is. That, those are the ways that you stand out. Find a way to be excited. Find a way to be grateful. I really like the idea of marinating in uh, in uh, in objections. That's uh, that's something I'm going to steal from you today, Richard. But I think if you're excited and grateful, you you do really, really well. And I think that again, it's the time to get a lot more diligent and a lot more data driven in in the true sense. And like, are you counting? things, right? Like sometimes we think data-driven means big data. We got to analyze like big databases. No, no, you're an SDR. How many calls? How many pickups? How many do you have a few minutes? Introductory lines? How many turn into pitches? How many turn into conversations? How many turn into meetings, right? Like imagine this exercise. Another one that's really obvious for people now that they're talking about the advice. Grab the last 300 email responses that you got and tell me how many of those were positive and got you closer to a meeting. How many were negative where you had to get people, get the person out of the sequence and like, you know, take them on a do not call list. 
and how many were like neutral, like no thank yous. And then find all your positive responses across your last 300 emails. There's probably around 30 to 60 to 90, depending how good your emails are written. And figure out what sequence or what template did that come from. Start associating the positive replies to certain templates. And then go back to your outreach or sales software, sales engagement tool, and make sure you are using those templates today. Because a lot of times it's going to happen that people are like, oh, I have a new sequence idea. And they write a new one. Yeah, they always use a shiny penny. Four months ago that was working and you're not using it anymore. And you're like, oh, things aren't working anymore. Go, just go label stuff. Like it's manual work, but it will make it successful. So that's the counterintuitive stuff. Do more admin work temporarily until the AI can figure it out for you. There you go. Sp speaking of which, um, thank you, Tito. Where can so Tito, the mad scientist on um, LinkedIn, right? Are you still going by that title? Tito, sales mad scientist. Yeah, Tito, sales Porter. mad scientist. That's right. One day we'll have you back and, and figure out your origin story to that name. But uh, want to give a, a thanks for you and your time and giving this knowledge because you really gave some insight. Um, I love your different take on AI too because that's that's one of the few positive conversations I think I've had. everybody's still running scared shitless. Um, and again, thanks to HubSpot, the HubSpot podcast network. Please be sure to check out HubSpot if you're in the engage, needing uh, some level of engagement around your sales and motion and CRMs. Uh, there's a link down in our show notes. So we'll be glad to support HubSpot as well. Tito, thank you again, my man. It is always a pleasure. Uh, we didn't even talk about surfing sales and being an alumni, but that's okay. We'll, we'll have you back again. If Scott Lees brings all those bottles of tequila he has in the background, I'll definitely make sure to uh, be there every time. There's no <laughs> happy tequila. <laughs> now, you don't want these ones. This is a graveyard of empties. We'll bring a full, a full stack. <laughs> here, here's I, here's I the truth, that. Tito. The truth is that Jeff and I usually get to Costa Rica before Scott, so we actually have to buy the tequila before he gets there. So um, Tito understands the art of delegation very well. He does. I agree. He does. He does. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. We'll see you all next time on the Servant Sales Podcast. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Right.